Open your Bibles to Psalms 23. I'm thankful for the introduction. Um, I struggled writing an introduction for this message. Now I know why. If y'all had talked much more, we'd sing many more songs. We would have preached it, I think. I don't, I don't know that I will make clear what the Lord's shown me, but in what's already been done, He's shown, he's shown me that. And uh, yeah, let's, let's go ahead and stand for the reading of God's Word. Psalms 23, we'll read the whole chapter. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for His name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. I was thinking all these testimonies, all that the Lord's done for us. Our cups are running over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I was thinking about those songs, what a day it'll be when he takes us by the hand. The shepherd leads us. He's got us by the hand. We don't have him by the hand. He's leading us into glory. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for the truth that's in it, Lord. And just help me now to hide me behind it, Lord, and just say what you'd have me to say. Open our ears and open our hearts, Lord, to receive it. And just uh, thank you for everything that'll be said and done here, Lord. Be done in a way bring honor and glory to your name. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. <clears throat> And uh, as we look at this psalm, it's familiar scripture to all of us. And uh, I'm not good at titling messages. If I had to title this, I would say um, contentment or being content. And I think when you look at this psalm, Psalm 23, um, especially that first verse, what I think of is being content. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Um, I think contentment is being is the absence of want, not wanting for anything. And then when, when we look at these verses, we see a picture of the sheep and, and what it means to be content. First uh, Timothy 6, 8, Paul tells Timothy, having food and raiment, let us be there with content. He's telling Timothy all these things he's mentioned there in Timothy, envy, strife, railings, evil surmisings, perverse disputing, arguing, corrupt minds, don't do these things. Uh, and if you were to turn over to Timothy, you'd see in verse 11, he says, But thou, O man of God, flee these things. Follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience. I think that Paul is telling Timothy, just like we see here, David's telling us, the Lord needs to be your shepherd, yes. Timothy. Yes. Uh, you need to be following after righteousness. You need to follow along the paths of righteousness. That's where he's leading, David. He says here, He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness. And... Uh, Doing that brings contentment, brings lying down in green pastures, leading beside the still waters. He's supplying physical needs, restoring his soul, leading in the path of righteousness. He's supplying David's spiritual needs. Timothy um, is told to follow after righteousness. David is telling us to follow the shepherd. Lead us on those very paths of righteousness that he would have us follow. If you want to be like the shepherd, then you need to follow him. If you look at this psalm, you'll see comfort in a time of death and evil. 
a table prepared, even in the very midst of your enemies, even in the very midst of trouble. Uh, and David, we know, he knew what it was to be troubled. He knew what it was to be surrounded by evil. Um, he knew what it was to live in the effects and the, the aftermath of sin. But the Lord has prepared a table right in the midst of his enemies. He's made a place uh, for him to come and dine right in the midst of them. We see the anointed head. And um, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of meaning in this psalm. I, you could preach, the Lord is my shepherd. You, the Lord, you could preach a hundred messages just on that. Uh, but when we look at this, we can see a few things. And I'll give you this you can take with you. The anointed head of the sheep. The anointing protects against bugs, it protects against butts, and it protects against cuts. Bugs, they'll get in a sheep's nostrils. If you've ever had a fly up your nose, you know what that, that's like, right? Uh, 2 Corinthians 4 says, We're troubled on every side, yet not distressed. That oil that was put on the sheep's head would protect from the flies and whatnot, getting up their nose, distracting them. Uh, the butts, sometimes we butt heads with one another as Christians, right? that oil would let us slide off one another. So even though we might disagree on some things, as long as we were following the shepherd, as long as we were letting him take care of us, right, right. that oil would let us slide right off of one another. It, we might not agree all the time, but we can do so without getting hurt. Right. The cuts. Sometimes this world cuts us. Sometimes the effects of sin in our life cuts us. We can always go back to the shepherd. He can put oil in that wound. He can heal us up. I've already talked about the overflowing cup. How does David describe how good the Lord is? There's a cup overflowing. A picture is worth a thousand words. Yeah. Right. right? He's not just filled his cup up. It's running down the edges. The Goodness and mercy following him all the days of his life. Jesus said he'd go with us to the end, didn't he? Even to the end of the world there, Matthew, when he gives us a great commission. And that we dwell in the house of the Lord forever. We've got something to look forward to. It's not just contentment in this life and the here and now and the spiritual and the physical things of this world. If that, if that was the case, if that's all we had to have hope in, we'd be of most men, miserable, of most men, most miserable. <clears throat> um, but I can read this with confidence. You can read this with confidence because we can go back to verse one. And if you're saved, you can echo what David said there, that the Lord is my shepherd. Yes. The Lord is your shepherd. Amen. And that's a question I have for you tonight. And I believe when we preach, we can preach a lot of different things, a lot of different ways. And I think you can take a lot of different things from scripture. And for the saved person, I hope this will be an encouragement. But if you're here and lost, is the Lord your shepherd or is he just a shepherd? Um, and I think if you listen today and if you listen not to what I'm saying, but to what the Holy Spirit is saying, he'll reveal that to you. He'll reveal the condition of your heart, just like he did for little Levi. You could see it written all over his face. Absolutely. He knew what the Holy Spirit was telling him. He might not have been able to put it into words. I was nine years old when I was saved. I couldn't put it into words as a nine-year-old what he was showing me, but I knew I didn't want to go to hell. Right? right? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and I'm sure if you ask Levi, he could tell you something similar. The Holy Spirit was telling him what he had heard in church, what he'd been reading in his Bible was the truth. And if you listen tonight, you can make this person, it might just be a shepherd, your personal shepherd. Um, and let me say this. We speak about the, what we speak about here is the good shepherd. Jesus says in John 10 that he is the good shepherd and that he gives life to his flock. Um, and 
Let me say this. This is a quote I read. You won't be able to partake in the joys of the flock until you see the suffering of the shepherd. Yes. Yes. We've been studying Hebrews in, uh, in Sunday school. When I have trouble when I'm studying for anything now, not working in something from Hebrews into it. But in Hebrews, the writer is basically telling us that Christ is superior. He's all we need. And down in 13, into the chapter, into the book, he says, Let your conversation be without covetousness. Be content in such things that you have. For he said, I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee. The shepherd will go with you to the end. He's superior to anything of this earth. And he'll go with you to the end. And as he wrote to the Hebrews, they'd be hard pressed to say what else could they want. How else could they not be content if he's superior, if he'll go with us all the way to the end? You'll never have contentment in this world until you find a life that finds its basis out of this world. Yes, that's right. To get to him, you'll have to go by the way of the cross. And I'll say it one more time. I, it's not my original quote. It's in my own words. But if you want to partake in the joys of the flock, then you'll have to see the suffering of the shepherd. There's no contentment unless you go through the cross. Because that's where the power of sin died. If you're not content, that's because sin has rule over your life. Now, you can be saved, but sin has died. Its power has died on the cross Acts 2.23 says, Him being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God, ye have taken by wicked hands, ye have crucified and slain, whom God hath raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be taken hold of it. He conquered it. He conquered it on the cross. And now if you look back in your Bible, look at Psalms 22. It may be on the same page. It begins, My God, my God. Why hast thou forsaken me? Why art thou so far from helping me? And from the words of my roaring, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? That's the words of Christ on the cross. Is uttered here first in Psalms 22 by David. And as we said, David, no doubt he struggled. He went through a lot of things in his life. Uh, he committed adultery. He committed murder. He was on the run. He was surrounded by enemies. And there's no doubt he had reason to write Psalms 22. But what we see as we look through this, probably a thousand years before crucifixion, it's as though David was looking through Christ's eyes, as though David was writing down every emotion that our Savior, our shepherd went through on the cross for us. And we won't read the whole, whole chapter. I don't think we have time, but um, just listen to these words. As he describes our suffering shepherd. <clears throat> but I'm a worm, and I'm no man, a reproach of men, despised of the people. And they that see me laugh, laugh me to scorn. They shoot out the lip, they shake their head, saying, He trusted in the Lord that he would deliver him. Let him deliver him, seeing he delighted in him. Be not far from me, for trouble is near, for there is none to help. I'm poured out like water. And my bones are all out of joint. My heart is like wax. It is melted in the midst of my bowels. My strength is dried up like a potsherd. My tongue cleaveth to the inside of my jaws. And thou hast brought me into the dust of death. For the dogs have compassed me. And the assembly of the wicked have enclosed me. 
They pierced my hands and my feet. I may tell all my bones. He could see every one of his bones poking through his skin. They look, the crowd looks and stares upon me. They part my garments among them. They cast lots upon my vesture. You can't read that and not see the penalty for sin on display. The penalty for sin on display. That's Christ paying the wages for your sin, for my sin. That's what we deserved. We deserved all this emotion that comes out in text. We deserve to feel every bit of that. Um, we deserved what Christ felt. He felt the complete absence from God right at the beginning. Why hast thou forsaken me? That's what we deserve. Complete absence from God. Why? Because of our sin. And I'm sorry to say that's just a taste of what you'll get if you leave this world without him. Amen. Complete absence from God. When we talk about contentment, it doesn't come any other way than by the way here of the cross. And when we talk about sin, there's no power in sin. That's why you can be content when there is no penalty. Penalties removed on the cross. You may have a burden of sin this morning. I know it can easily beset us. We can let things weigh us down even as Christians. But if you're not saved, it's dragging you down to death. Not just the physical death. We've all got to go through that if we live long enough. But a, but a spiritual death, a second death in a lake of fire. Revelation 20, 14 calls it the second death. Jesus on the cross, he removed the penalty of sin. He removed that second death from you. When you're saved, when you truly grasp the reality, reality of sin that it has no power over your life, then you can live, live a content life. Are we surrounded by enemies? Are we in a shadow of the valley of death that we call life? Yes. But ask someone who's lived years and years and years how they made it. If they're a Christian, they'll tell you they made it by the cross. They made it because the cross made them content in whatever they had. However they were living out their life, they were able to be content because of the cross. The penalty of sin was gone in their life. The power of sin was gone in their life. And they had hope in something eternal. If you read on in Psalms 22, you see that hope. Down through verse 23, Ye that fear the Lord, praise Him. All ye the seed of Jacob, glorify Him and fear Him. He goes on, When He cried unto Him, He heard. Verse 27, All the ends of the world shall remember and turn unto the Lord. All the kindreds of the nations shall worship before Thee. For the kingdom is the Lord's, and He is the governor among the nations. All they that be fat upon the earth shall eat and worship. All they that go down to the dust shall bow before Him end of the chapter. They shall come, they shall declare His righteousness unto a people that shall be born, that He hath done this. He hath done this. That sounds a lot like it is finished, yes. doesn't it? Why has He forsaken me at the beginning of the chapter? Turned into it is finished. He has done it. Everyone's worshiping God at the end of the chapter. Christ, He experienced a complete separation from God because God loves us so much that he didn't want us to live eternally separated for him. So he had to step down and take that upon himself. <clears throat> if you haven't come by the way of the cross, then I'm here to tell you that's why you're not content. It's not God's will that any should perish, but that we'd all come to repentance. And I believe there's coming a day of judgment when it's going to be poured out. When those in hell will, will cry these same things we see, I think, in Psalms 22. 
Why art thou so far from me? I cry, but thou hearest me not. Because they're going to be completely separated from God. I can't call you, but I can introduce you to the one who can. I can introduce you to Christ, our shepherd on the cross. I can tell you why I can be content. I can tell you why what he's done for me. And I can tell you what I'm looking forward to. A coming kingdom when I can reign with him forever. We just sang about it. You can look back over now to Psalms 24. The end of Psalms 24. Verse 7. Lift up your heads, O ye gates, and be ye lifted up, ye everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord, strong and mighty. The Lord, mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O ye gates. Even lift them up, ye everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord of hosts, the King of glory. We've seen the shepherd on the cross. We've seen the flock living contently under his care. And now we see the shepherd king entering his coming kingdom. The scripture is clear. Jesus, Lord, Savior, Shepherd, Lamb, Lion, King. He will reign forever. You can read it in Revelations 5, 11 through 14. Down through there it says, Unto the Lamb forever and ever. That's who comes. Verse 13 of Revelations 5. And every creature which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea and all that are in them heard, I say, Heard I saying, Blessing and honor and glory and power be unto him that setteth upon the throne and unto the Lamb forever and ever. A forever kingdom. That's what we have to look forward to coming. The Lamb that was slain, he's our shepherd, and you can reign with him. And I want to say one more thing, and then I'm going to come to a close. We can look back at sin. We've looked at it a little bit. We see the removal of the penalty of sin on the cross. And we see the removal of the power of sin with with a shepherd-led, that is, a content life. And now, here in Psalm 24, we see the removal of the very presence of sin in a coming kingdom. Um, And I want to be there with them because I hate sin. (laughs) And I hate being around it. And I hate when I sin. And I hate the effects of sin. You know, and who, if we look back at Psalms 24 there, verse 3, who shall ascend to the hill of the Lord? Who shall stand in his holy place? He that hath clean hands and a pure heart, who hath not lifted up his soul into vanity, nor sworn, sworn deceitfully. Who can enter into this coming kingdom? Someone without sin. That's Jesus. He's the only way that me or you are going to make it there, is if we go by the way of the cross. Amen. That's the only way we can live a content life. That's the only way we can enter in into this coming kingdom. He's the way, the truth, and the life. And if you want to truly live, you'll have to come by the way that is Christ. Scripture's black and white. You'll either reign in this coming kingdom with Him as joint heirs, as sons and daughters, along with the first, firstborn, or you won't. Uh, Colossians 3, 4 says, When Christ, is who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with Him in glory. Yes. You can either live a content life in Him or not. He can either be your my shepherd or He can be just a shepherd. And to do both of those things, you'll first have to decide what you're going to do with the cross. There's a broad way 
in a narrow way. And I, in my mind, I always picture the cross right in between them. At some point in your life, the, the, the Holy Spirit is going to prick your heart. He's going to knock at your door and you've got to decide which path you're going to take. You know, black and white, in or out, God or mammon, slave to sin or slave to Christ. A pricked heart that gives in or a hardened heart. An answer to the knock or an ignored knock. Will you find contentment this evening? What will you do with the cross? The preaching of the cross is foolishness, it says, to those that perish. But unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. Amen. You can come by the way of the cross and you can find out why it resonates with those of us who want to say amen, who want to lift up our hand, who want to give testimony. Yes. Because to us, it's not yes. foolishness. It's the power of God. Praise